Welcome back to the Perfected Health Podcast. This is episode eight. I am here with Rob Stewart, and we are going to discuss acne, eczema, various skin-related issues that many, many people have as their one factor they're trying to fix in their lifestyle. Uh, Rob, what's going on? How are you today? I'm doing really awesome, Frank. How are you doing today, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm doing well. And uh, but before I ask you to give your background in this, uh, personally, I've, you know, I've always had issues with acne. Uh, I took Accutane myself. Uh, a lot of my clients personally have uh, skin issues, but I, I guess just give us an idea of what you specialize in, what you do, and I guess the protocol you're going to discuss today. Yeah, so my specialty right now is I, I help people with eczema, dermatitis, psoriasis, and rosacea naturally heal their skin through lifestyle and diet mostly. Um, my background as a skin health sufferer um, is long, long and hard like everybody. I, I had a background as a kid, um, dandruff, acne, dermatitis, psoriasis, rosacea. I had strep throat 11 times in one year as a nine-year-old, got my tonsils removed. Um, history of tons of antibiotics, Accutane, the worst possible scenario of skin, that's me. Um, up until about age 25, 26, I was just suffering constantly and it got worse and worse and worse. I finally at some point, um, you know, hit rock bottom and decided to go the opposite route that I'd been going. I'd been going to doctors, dermatologists, specialists and gurus spending $80,000 in one year trying to heal myself um, to no bell, getting worse and worse and worse. Finally, I, I kind of stumbled upon some natural hygiene, um, some hippy-dippy woo-woo cleansing and detoxification mm -hmm. literature, water fasting, um, and it, it hit me. You know, it really did. And, and I went full force into natural healing. I was lucky enough um, after about a year and a half of really focused dieting and lifestyle stuff, was able to heal my dermatitis, eczema, psoriasis, and rosacea completely. And for the past eight years, I've been living uh, extremely healthy, abundant lifestyle, free of skin disease, and I've been teaching other people kind of my three-phase process of healing their skin. So dermatitis, eczema, psoriasis, rosacea, all slightly different things, but, but the point is that they are all some type of inflammation on the skin. Correct. Yeah. And, and I think the, the biggest thing um, that people kind of mess up in their minds is, is they think acne, they think dermatitis, eczema, psoriasis are skin issues because the symptoms pop up on the skin. Um, as most of us who go a little deeper know, it's 100% uh, a digestion slash gut related issue. And like you said, there is nuance. You know, how you treat acne is a little different than how you treat eczema, but their origins and their root issues, you know, all come down to pretty much the same thing. Now, that's how a lot of people end up fixing themselves. They, they're, they've tried so many things and they're open-minded enough to something that, you know, goes against what convention says. Uh, how did the, car did the carnivore diet tie into that at all? Did that make it a little bit easier, like give people a base approach to this? Yeah, the carnivore diet for me actually came in further down the line. Um, and it was the rescue of my vegan diet. So I used a very focused plant-based vegan diet to literally catabolize the disease out of my body. Um, I understand and understood that if I can reduce inflammation by taking away what's causing the inflammation, I, I'd be in a good place. So I, I really pushed through that process 
and it worked for me to heal my skin. Now, it left me in a place of being malnourished. Mm -hmm. It left me in a place of being insulin resistant. My teeth got messed up. Um, so my skin got good, but it gave me other issues. And that's when I turned to a carnivore diet um, to really take the healing to the fullest and next level for myself. And it, it kind of solidified um, the gut health, the hormonal stuff, the brain stuff, and it's made my skin improve even that much more. Yeah, I mean, removing inflammatory components from your diet can ironically be done on both a vegan diet and both a carnivore diet. It's just the vegan diet is missing the nutrients your body needs to build itself up. And, and sometimes, and I'm sure you've observed in some cases, people don't have success on the carnivore diet in healing their skin partially due to food choices and food quality. Yeah, 100%. I, I, think, I think food choices and food quality is the name of the game, no matter what types of food you're eating. If you're someone who's for some reason trying to force yourself into a vegan diet and you're eating foods that are filled with anti-nutrients, oscillates, salicylates, all the good stuff that the plant kingdom has to offer and you're being triggered by those foods constantly, well, it's never going to work. Mm -hmm. Same thing as if you're trying to do a carnivore diet and you're someone who's completely lactose intolerant and you're killing two sticks of raw butter every single day and wondering why it's not working. So, you know, how you, how you find your food, how you locate it, where it comes from, the quality, that's ultra important. And part of the healing process is not paying too much attention to what works for other people, but experimenting and listening to your data, to your biomarkers and, and not being a jerk about it, being like, okay, this is actually not working, time to make a switch, period. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely a bit of a jerk off with that myself. I, you know, I mean, raw dairy is one of the most delicious things you can have. I am incredibly lactose intolerant. I, I, you know, I feel so crappy from eating dairy, yet you'll always have people come to you that say, oh, have you tried A2 milk? Have you tried sheep milk? Have you tried goat milk? Doesn't matter you know, what type of milk I drink, what type of dairy product I have. You know, I, I always get immune reactions from it, negative things. So I, I think that's something that definitely needs to be emphasized is the subjective and the anecdotal experience that you have with the food. Uh, you know, a lot in, and another good example that comes up a lot is people always say, oh, you know, white rice is this super clean carbohydrate source, but you know, it doesn't always work for everyone. So, you know, you said you had a kind of a three step thing you, you do with people. Uh, yeah. do you mind outlining that? No, not at all. I call it the three phases of skin disease reversal. It, that was just the most generic and obvious name I could give it. So people could be like, oh, okay, this is a workbook to heal the skin. Cause I, mm -hmm. I know how marketing goes and mm -hmm. man, you have to laid out for people. But the way the process works is the three phases are broken down into three main parts. One, phase one is what I call the cleansing and detoxification phase. This is the phase where you address the toxins and, and you, you do do some focused catabolizing of toxins, a focused cleansing detoxification period. This can be done in a vegan manner. This can be done in a carnivore manner. So there's kind of two different ways to roll with it. It kind of is the basis is a very minimalized, clean, ultra simple diet combined with things like water fasting, intermittent fasting, dry fasting, coffee enemas, salt flushes, the gallbladder flush, um, dry, uh, dry brushing, the Thai squat, certain yoga poses. So very, very um, natural hygiene slash just basic holistic straightforward let's get shit out of our body that doesn't belong there so that's phase one 
cleansing and detoxification. Mm -hmm. From there, we go to phase two, which is where we start the process of learning what foods will work for us and what foods will not work for us. I call this the testing phase. Um, during the testing phase, we push the diet to a fat-based diet. This allows us to switch systems, you know, go from running on glucose to running on fat. It also allows us to strip out all of the plant foods from the diet, eliminating a huge portion of unknown possible trigger foods. You can look at phase two as the elimination protocol in a certain way. Um, we start off with a certain amount of foods that we use as our kind of set point, and then we slowly, over months and months and months, build off of that from a place of reading our biomarkers. And biomarkers, for those of you who kind of are confused by that, morning wood, sleep, um, focus, sex drive, creativity, overall happiness, body weight, your poop, and your strength in the gym. Um, we monitor those during the entire process. And what I've seen is, is if your biomarkers improve, the skin improves right with it, just at a slower pace kind of behind. Mm -hmm. So phase two is all about figuring out exactly what foods work and what foods don't work for you. Mm -hmm. Once we've gotten that down, we move on to phase three, which I call the nourishing phase. And that's where we take the information and the data that we've learned in phase one and two, and we create a lifestyle out of it. We know exactly what to do to cleanse and detoxify ourselves at this point. We know exactly what foods to eat and what foods to avoid. And we have a, a general kind of rhythm with how to live this lifestyle in a balanced and healthy way. So from there, then we get really nuanced with the details and we just refine, 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 and make a very customized lifestyle that's based around eating the right foods, keeping your body naturally healthy, lots of movement, lots of physical activity, lots of vitamin D. Um, and that's, that's kind of how the, the process unrolls. Now, the part that's the most challenging for everyone is the second part, phase two. And this is where you have to be completely unfull of shit with yourself. You have to be 100% honest. And if you are attached to a belief system, if you're a vegan cult member, if you're a carnivore, carnivore cult member, this is where you're going to be checked um, because the food doesn't give a crap yeah. and your body doesn't give a crap either. So um, that's why most people hire me as phase two. And that's generally what I do with my focus on with my clients. And, that, and that's a general idea of the three phase system. Um, and um, it looks pretty different for every person that does it. So when someone comes to you, the first thing it's usually, at least in my experience, they're in almost like, a, like almost like a huff, like they're, you can almost tell in the email, the way they express themselves in communicating They're you know, they're frustrated. They're, they're not having a good time. They're having this skin issue. They're trying to get over so much. But when people come to me, they're always, it seems like they're almost uncertain. And do people generally have a hard time identifying what the issue even is in the first place? Are they like unsure of what their skin condition even is? Some people are. Um, I think the overriding issue that people come to me with is misinformation. Michaela Peterson says this. Dr. Greger says this. Frank Tufano says this. And Rob Stewart says that. Uh, I think that people get into researcher mode and they forget to be their own boss in life. Um, I really try to teach my clients over everything a sensitivity to one's own 
desires and needs and bodily functions and taking information and extrapolating what's the truth from it by understanding how you feel. And if people go from that perspective, I feel like they have a lot better chance because if they mess up, then they take responsibility for that and they can learn. Um, so what I'm saying is where people come to me and, and the biggest issue is they are listening to everyone except their own data. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and what they come to me to do in the end is for me to be that reflection of themselves that will tell them the truth. Hey, that's not working. Stop. Mm -hmm. Do this instead. Hey, you're cheating. You know what I mean? Like the Snickers that you're not really paying attention to every other day is completely backfiring. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. not going to work. And so I think that um, my one little piece of advice for those of people who are out there that are in the shoes of, hey, I want to email Frank here. I want to email Rob. I'm looking for help. First, get to a place where you're listening to yourself and making mm -hmm. some decisions for yourself, having some failures, having some wins, then reach out to somebody with some clarity. Hey, I can't figure out this damn diet. Help me. 100%. I, I think people can get pigeonholed into thinking they know what's wrong with them and, and just being cognizant of what you've been doing, what's been working, what hasn't been working is generally enough to troubleshoot and figure out whether or not you're actually having that issue. Uh, but, but just to, you know, kind of go a little more in depth on each of these three things, the cleansing and detoxification, you know, removing inflammatory components from the diet. Obviously, you know, a lot of that has to do with like refined processed foods, modern foods. I think just about everyone knows what they should and, and what they shouldn't be eating. You know, whether it is a grain, a junk food, fast food, or whether they, they have a noticeable reaction to eating a food such as, you know, commercial store-bought dairy. Uh, what I wanted to touch on was, you know, you mentioned like water fasting, intermittent fasting, dry fasting, gallbladder flush. Uh, I, you know, myself, I've done salt flushes as well as like vitamin C flushes with people. Uh, you know, to, to what degree can these things be helpful? Would you rank some of them as almost necessary? And, and kind of just like, I guess like a brief explanation of, you know, when do you do this? When do you do that? Um, are, are there certain lifestyle factors that make it difficult for people to do these things? You know, maybe you're an athlete and you need to keep your caloric intake high, which can make something like this very difficult. Uh, maybe you're already in some state of malnourishment. Yeah. So one of, one of the um, things with cleansing, first of all, that, that people have a bit of a misconception on, and I think this is due to the popularity of like raw veganism and, and just people of that nature who are putting out stuff. They think that to heal yourself and what cleansing means is eating only fruit or eating only fruit and juice and eating raw greens, skipping as many days of eating as you can, mm -hmm. water fasting, and then going to uh, a fruit-based diet and then doing as many enemas and, and salt flushes and just, just crushing it. You know, that's the mistake I made. I did for a year straight, my first three months of trying to heal myself, I was on green juice and fruit only, and I was doing an enema every other day and a salt flush every other day, and I did three gallbladder flushes in that first basically month and a half. Um, that's not healthy, that doesn't help anything. Um, so one of the main things that I try to do with my clients and that I try to do on my YouTube channel is first talk about cleansing and detoxification in a more balanced way. You don't mm -hmm. have to go crazy what a deep cleansing month could look like, it's going to be off your diet anyway. The most important part is the diet. The, the enemas and the salt flushes, where do they rank compared to the diet? They rank zero. 
because you can do all the cleansing in the world and if you don't fix your diet, nothing happens. The cleansing is literally for one purpose and one purpose only, to open up the pathways of elimination so that the movement of your body and that the diet can actually work. Mm -hmm. um, the more enemas you do in a balanced way, the easier the toxins and the disease has leaving your body. So mm -hmm. the, the main thing is to open up the pathways of elimination through the interventions that seem the most comfortable for you. So if you're someone who loves to do an enema, you just do an enema, you get a great release, you feel awesome all day, it gives you a, a spiritual and emotional lift, then enemas are ranked number one. Um, vice versa, if you do a salt flush and it makes you feel on top of the world, then, then that might be your go-to cleanse. Most of the time, some, sometimes it's good to do some coffee enemas, um, sometimes some salt flushing, and to do a little bit of each throughout the month. Um, but I, I always tell people, don't over-focus on the deep cleansing work because it can actually backfire easier than it can be beneficial. Yeah, I agree. Every tool has a job. So when you talk about water fasting, you have to kind of think about what it is. Well, you're not really giving your body electrolytes. You're not giving your body certain nutrients. Uh, so someone like myself, you know, I, I work out a lot. I'm always in the gym. If I go on a water fast, I'm going to be incredibly fatigued, depleted, you know, within a matter of maybe even just one or two days. Uh, whereas someone who does have a lot of extra body fat, who is in a different metabolic state, might see a lot more benefits from water fasting than someone like myself. Uh, and that's where you could even argue that, you know, raw juicing, being on a raw vegan diet might be a better option for someone as opposed to just doing a straight dry fast or a straight water fast. Uh, the, the salt flushes too, that's something that people generally use to, to kind of reset their stomach acidity, clear out the upper digestive tract, uh, using the anema to clear out the lower digestive tract. So, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, it, you might feel better, you might not. But I mean, I, I've done just about every single one of these things and they never really worked for me. So for me, like salt flush, don't feel better. Anema, not really. Raw juicing, raw vegan, haven't really tried it. Uh, I did want to bring up, you know, people always do talk about gallbladder flushes and we do know that if the liver is storing, the liver does store toxins to some degree and it does emit things in the bile. Personally, I haven't done, a, I don't think I've done it more than once or twice. Where would you say a gallbladder flush, like basically what is it? What place does it have in this, in this detox kind of phase? And is it something people should really be considering? I mean, I've heard people chugging like olive oil and lemon juice. Yeah, that, so the, the person who made the liver flush famous, Andres uh, Moritz, um, he has his own kind of way of doing it. You basically front load your body with malic acid, um, and then you use Epsom salt to kind of start that process of the pulling of the toxins. And then you use a mixture of olive oil um, and like a grapefruit or lemon to, to create that, that bile response. Um, the place that it has, when certain, what, what I've found is that people who are insulin sensitive uh, or having some insulin resistance or just generally responding really crappy to carbohydrates and sugar, yeah. um, for some reason, when you uh, address the gallbladder and the liver with the gallbladder liver flush, it seems that those people, for some reason, have a huge amount of stones that come out. Um, and what I've seen is if you do have stones in the gallbladder calcification, 
um, it's, it's telling you a lot and it's, it's not allowing that gallbladder to, to do what the gallbladder needs to do. So if the gallbladder is not doing what it needs to do, then you can follow the pathology, liver, kidney, immune system, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I look at it more of a, a system of like, um, you know, when you mow your lawn, after you mow your lawn, you edge or it kind of doesn't look complete. Um, you generally have to do that to make the lawn finished. It's just um, being thorough with hitting every possible system of filtration with some help. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think I would go back to is a gallbladder flush a must do? Is an enema a must do? Is a, is a salt flush a must do? Do you have to water fast? No, not at all. If you move your body daily, and you eat the way you're supposed to, in time, everything will work out. Mm-hmm. Um, these little interventions are literal tools and hacks to hopefully speed the process up. And mm-hmm. I always tell people, don't get too caught up in the cleansing and the detoxification. It's not science. It's, it's just more possibility of helping. Mm-hmm. So don't get, too, don't get too caught up in it. Yeah, the primary focus is, is just stick to the protocol, stick to the game plan that minimally inflammatory diet for a period of several months. If, if things aren't going accordingly, if we think something, you know, shows that would indicate one of these procedures would help, then definitely. Uh, I have, I've, I've tried dry fasting myself. Uh, I know as someone who took Accutane in the past and I've always been thirsty for me, dry fasting, actually, uh, I'm sure I'm a unique circumstance. You know, most people speak about dry fasting in a very positive light, but I almost instantly get acne, you know, after dry fasting for a day or two, I'm always ravenously thirsty. Uh, I think the other thing to throw in here is depending on, you know, whether it's past surgeries, past pharmaceutical use, uh, some genetic predisposition, everyone responds to these things pretty differently. Yeah, big time. I'm, I'm along the same lines as you. I, I think, you know, dry fasting has gained some momentum and popularity. Um, and I, I honestly, I think it has more to do with not the healing crowd, but spillover from the weight loss crowd. You know, you don't eat or drink anything. You're going to be less heavy. It's obvious. doesn't yeah. mean shit. It means you're, yeah. you're just have less water in your body. You yeah. haven't lost any fat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and my experience with dry fasting is more similar to yours. Um, it makes me feel like shit. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't have an experience of, and not to sound too woo woo, but I have a pretty good, um, just connection to how I am. And when I drive fast, my overall being doesn't feel that great. Mm -hmm. You know, when I've, I've had experiences water fasting or yeah, water fasting sucks. It's hard. You feel depleted, but there is also a meditative aspect of it. Um, that can be kind of cool and can be eye opening and can allow you to tap into energy systems that aren't really based with food and calories. Mm. Um, and so I think that if, if you're someone who's like me, experimental dry fasting can open your eyes, but it, for me, it just kind of points back to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Are you moving your body? Are you working out? Are you le- leading a good lifestyle and are you eating clean? Well then mm-hmm. dry fasting really doesn't even matter. Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. So phase two was, you know, the testing phase, the elimination protocol and, I mean, to me, this is where the carnivore diet comes in handy. To me, this is where most people slip up as, as you said, you know, it's, it can be very strict. You know, people tend not to be honest with themselves. Uh, you know, this is where 
that aspect of, you know, how much do you really want to enjoy life comes in. Yeah. And, and, and this is where it's really, really difficult. And uh, as with the, you know, sticking to the plan for a period of time as to not doing too many insane, you know, of those protocols, the fasting, the liver flush, whatever it is, th- this is the same thing. You know, once people start feeling a little better, once things start going in their favor, some people like to deviate a little bit and think they can get away with a little bit. But the point is that until you 100% heal yourself, until you fix everything, uh, you need to take things one step at a time and really not stray too far away from that plan. One, 100%. And, and most likely that is the uh, make it or break it for people. Yeah. Basically, that, that is one of the biggest issues um, is you see people, and especially with my clients, will be three or four months in, they'll start to have some major progress with the health of their skin, get a little confident. Uh, I can I can do that cheeseburger. I can do those waffles. I can do the Sunday mimosa. Uh-uh. No, no. It's like, <laughs> it's like, and then I get the 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 all caps text. Help! My skin's flaring up. What the yeah. f? This is not working. Yeah. Da, 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 da. So that that comes into play a lot, and I think that it's natural. You know, as a human, we we have some success. Um, and success for me generally comes after having no success and then working my ass off and forgetting about everything and just being so obsessed with the work that then success comes again. Same thing with the diet. You have to obsess about the mm-hmm. solution and you have to be a gangster every single day, a straight up hardcore gangster with yourself. There is no if, ands, or buts. It's I'm doing this or I'm dying. It's if anyone gets in my way, they're dead. And it sounds a little obsessive. And guess what? To cure a disease in a human body, you better be obsessive. You better be detail-oriented. And you better be ready for life to be really hard and to get hard with it. Um, With that said, I think also people um, will fall into that place of falling off the diet for two main reasons. One is once they start eating clean, they don't eat enough calories. Mm -hmm. You know, calorically dense food um, is shit food. Ice cream, French fries. You know, you have a meal at McDonald's and you're sitting at a thousand calories and you don't even feel like you ate anything. Yeah. And I I try to eat a thousand calories of wild caught salmon in one sitting. You're going to be, you'll (laughs) feel crazy. Um, So a lot of times people will jump on the diet. Um, They'll feel really good the first week or so. They'll feel light, they'll feel energized. But then a month and a half in, they're like, man, I'm tired. I'm cranky. And then I'm, I'm, I, I can't get a morning wood. Like this diet's not working. And I'm saying, okay, you know, are you eating enough? And they're like, yeah, I'm eating all the time. Okay. Pop on chronometer. What's let's look at your calories and your macros, mm-hmm. 1800 calories, 40 grams of fat, you know, and, yeah, and they're, yeah. and they're, yeah. they're messing up because they're going all protein, not enough fat, not enough overall calories. So that, those are the two main troubleshooting things I do with my clients. It's first, right off the bat, I say, when you start having success, that's when we start getting hella disciplined because mm-hmm. that's when people fail. Yeah. Secondly, here's the main parts of messing up in the beginning, not enough calories. Um, and that not enough calories leads to things like cheat meals, um, late night binges, and mm-hmm. overall thinking the diet's not working when it actually is. I think if there's one thing people take away from this conversation it, it, it's what you said about being a gangster. And, and the way I parallel that is every, every single day you're waking up with a focus in mind 
and a thought that's always in the back of your head, you know, what is your goal? What are you trying to do? You know, if your goal is to heal your skin, to feel better about yourself, what are you doing to make that happen? If you're not thinking about that every second of every day and making sure that, you know, you're adhering to your diet, you're adhering to the healthy lifestyle, you're going to slip up and you're going to make those mistakes. And it only takes one day to set you back a couple days. And then that just keeps compounding and compounding. And if, and if you're not, if you don't come into every day with that attitude, it, it's like a vicious circle. You're never going to, you're going to keep addressing problems and, and keep hitting the same problems that you already solved and you already know the answer to. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think along those lines, once you've made that commitment and, and maybe for some people, they're like, you don't even need to tell me that I'm there. Okay. For those people, there's the other aspect of it. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. It, it, it's harder than law school. It's harder than be, getting a PhD. It's harder than making it to major league baseball. It's hard as hell. And you're going to fail 100%. You're going to have months where you, where you suck, you mess up, you do the wrong thing, you make the wrong decision. Part of being a gangster is going, don't care. What will I learn from this? Knock, my, knock the dust off my pants and get the hell back up and just right back to work. You learn mm -hmm. from your mistakes and you just get back to work. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that if people can like find themselves in that rhythm, then a lot of this actually does take care of itself. All that time you spend being uncomfortable, all that time you spend, uh, you know, in that situation where you're uncertain what to do, where you're not having fun, you're having stomach aches, you're having headaches, your skin's breaking out, this, that, X, Y, Z. As, as long as you're using those negative experiences and, and making up for that by learning and how to not be in that situation in the future. If, if, you, totally. keep getting back, if you keep getting back to that, that's where we have, uh, that's where we have an issue. That's where people, you know, get stuck in, in a poor state of health for years and years and years. Totally, man. And it's a, it's a big metaphor for life. You know what I mean? It's, it's, can you have the ability to kind of hold two, two thoughts in your mind that can contradict each other? You know, like the, the ultimate sign of wisdom, two contradictory signs held in the same person at all times. Well, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to kill this. I'm going to be focused. I'm never going to mess up. But if I do, then I get back to work right away with not feeling bad, not making a story. And you've probably already felt this as a young man. I'm a bit older than you and, and know this as fact. If you have the ability or if you even put forth the effort to heal your body, you are going to gain everything in life. I'm good at business because I healed my skin. I'm good at relationships because I healed my skin. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not good at it, but what it teaches you is, is it teaches you everything you need to know. It teaches you humbleness. It teaches mm -hmm. you consistency. It teaches you being realistic with real data and being based on that, not belief systems. So I, I think that we're talking about a much bigger thing here, transformation, you know, having a healthy, awesome, wonderful life. Uh, yeah, I've always spoken about this myself, but I've never actually spoken about it in this way as as that necessary thing to change your life. Uh, back, you know, in maybe eight or nine years ago now, when I had the health issues from Accutane and I was trying to figure out how to heal my stomach, you know, before that point in time, I was just like getting by in community college. I was like bartending here and there, working crappy jobs, playing video games all day. As I, you know, I came across a book, uh, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check, 
And that really mm -hmm. kickstarted me trying to explore my health. And as I got healthier, as I cleared up my skin, uh, you know, I basically went from, you know, being an average looking person to being attractive, you know, having a higher level of cognitive function, uh, that, with those things you mentioned, humbleness, consistency, being realistic, being objective, understanding the situation that dramatically changed me as a person. So my ability to uh, apply that to my life has improved everything. And uh, I, I think one thing to bring in here is we're talking about how difficult this type of stuff is. Uh, but the reason people like me are here, the reason people like Rob are here is to identify those issues you're having and make it easier for you to, to figure things out. You know, whether it's, you know, whether it's you watch, you know, Rob just did a video on Accutane, whether it's you watch maybe a video I did a couple months ago on histamine, taking bits and pieces of what everyone knows, giving people your anecdotal experiences, asking questions. You'd be surprised at, at, at how accurate people can be based on their own personal experiences. Like sometimes people will come up to you, they'll tell you a story, you'll say one little thing, it'll solve pretty much all the issues they were having. So, so, so having people with that, that similar life experience that have figured out things from a health perspective, uh, whether it's someone like you specializing in the skin stuff uh, related to removing inflammation from the diet, whether it's someone like me that focuses more on, uh, you know, specific nutrient profiles of the diet, uh, you know, you don't want to feel lost, uh, you know, even though, as we're saying, you know, you want to stick to what you're doing, pay attention to your body. As much as we kind of like pushed away at the beginning that research and that trying to pinpoint and figure out things, you know, th there's a purpose for everything and having a little bit of that and, and trying to use that information to apply it to your own life can apply in cir certain circumstances. But as we said, a lot of the times people are misdiagnosing it. Yeah. And I, I, they're, they're all tools, you know, people, people mistake tools for the subjects or they mistake the tools for the, for the medicine and all of these diagnostic tools, inflammatory prick tests to see what foods may or may not, is it 100% accurate? No, it's not. Everyone knows that. It can't be. But can it help? Sure. Will it be what saves your life? Not once have I come across one person, I've worked with over 900 people who've said, oh, I took that test, you know, and it gave me the list of foods to avoid and I avoid those and now everything's good. That never really happens. But it's, it really doesn't. Bigger, it really yeah, doesn't. I can't, I can't tell you how many people have come to me with those food allergen tests and I'm like, dude, I don't really care about that. That's not going to help. Well, it's unfortunate. Yeah. When people ask, you know, before I start working with you, do, you, do you need to have my like official diagnosis? Do you want, um, you know, a panel test done? Do you want all of these, you know, like ultra reductive science data points? And I'm just like, no, what I want you to start doing is tell me how many days of the week you get a boner to begin with. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, what, what, what is that going to tell you? <laughs> you know how horny I am. Um, so I, I agree with you. It's, it's all about using tools that make sense to you so that you can have the data to move you in the right direction. And if that's Western style and prick tests and infl inflammatory markers, cool, man. If, if you're the opposite of that, you're more hippy dippy and, you, and you're just like, you know, journaling and doing it based on your, your body's algorithms and mood as long as you're paying attention and being realistic, I think that's the, the overall theme that, that both of us seem to be kind of pushing. 
Yeah, I have a lot of clients come to me and they're very tied up in conventional wisdom, the Western style medicine. And, you know, I do have circumstances where I have to address these clients in a, in a very professional, almost medical way. And the issue is if someone comes to me and, and their thyroid hormone is at a certain number, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's not where we want it to be, but I can give you 10 reasons. It's not where it's supposed to be. So, you know, do we go down that list and troubleshoot those 10 reasons? Or do we look at the lifestyle? Do we look at what you're doing, how you feel and take it from there? It's always you know, fix the diet, fix the lifestyle, remove the inflammatory aspects, get closer to the natural way of living. And then, and, and 99.9% .9 of the time that solves all the issues. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That and time, you know, that's the other X factor that most people in this day and age, especially younger people have no freaking clue about and need to like, just kind of like focus. It's not going to happen in two months. <laughs> it's most likely not going to happen in nine months. It's going to happen over the course of a year year and a half, two years, and most likely for most normal humans, if you've had skin disease for the most of your life, it's going to take a few years. Mm -hmm. But the purpose is not speed, it's longevity. If I can get my eczema gone in two years and then it stays gone forever, I win. If my eczema goes away in three months and then every six months I'm battling flare-ups for the rest of my life, who cares? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just a... A lot of this has to do with perspective, you know what I mean? Uh, so tying into the nourishing phase, uh, you know, eating the right foods, keeping the body healthy, movement, physical activity, vitamin D, there's a lot to discuss here. But yeah. uh, one interesting thing you have is you, you went vegan that helped your skin a lot, and then you went carnivore. Uh, mm -hmm. There's something that, I mean, the general public doesn't really understand the difference between just eating healthy foods versus actually nourishing your body. You know, the vegan right. diet technically addresses the former, but it doesn't address the latter. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a, a very important thing to address. And it's something that I, that comes up a lot in my practice because of my history and because of just the clientele that I work with. Because um, I do have people that come to me and say, do a vegan cleanse and then teach me the carnivore diet. That is a good option for some people. Um, at the end of the day, though, um, it's really going to come down to kind of knowing what the systems do and then using them for their right application. So if you're someone who is experiencing hormonal issues and gut health issues, you're underweight and, and, and you're looking to diet, well, a vegan diet's not going to do you any good. Yeah. Um, you're going to need a hormonal gut health focused diet. You're going to need a lot of fat and a lot of protein and a lot of bioavailable foods. Now take someone who is very well nourished, maybe 30, 40, 50 pounds overweight, has skin issues, um, has a lot of need to be catabolized, then maybe starting for them, vegan, um, high carb, low fat will be awesome. And then if you go further into this detail, we're, we're looking at two different interventions, a high carb intervention and a high fat intervention. And they have to be understood. If you mix, and you know this, if you mix too much fat and too much carbs in the body, it's dysbiosis, period. Bad, very bad, um, yeah. And that's why you see the most anecdotal evidence falling to carnivore diet and raw, high-carb, low-fat veganism because they're the most pronounced, obvious interventions. With the high-carb, low-fat, you take away the fat. It forces the body to run quickly, very fast, mm -hmm. very kind of cathartic and quick and, and, and lots of circulation and lots of pushing out of fluids and a lot of movement. It's catabolic. And it does do that very fast and very well. When you remove the fats, it allows the body to do that. 
Um, if you put fats into that diet, it becomes toxic and disease oriented. Now, on the other hand, if you strip away all of the sugar and you push the body into ketosis or to be fat adapted, you, you kind of get the similar effect, but the opposite, very nourishing, very building, very gut focused. It kind of slows the process down. It kind of stabilizes insulin and stabilizes the metabolic rate, the metabolic heat, all of that. Um, so it's kind of two totally different interventions mm -hmm. used for two totally different things. And people confuse that all the time. I get an email, bro, I've been high carb, low fat for a year and, and, and lifting weights five days a week using, you know, high frequency training and blah, 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 blah. And I'm 30 pounds, you know, less than I was and my shoulders are gone and my biceps are gone and my androgen receptors don't exist. And I'm like, well, because you're running a catabolic approach that that's a cleansing diet, you know? So I, I think there is that nuance that is most obvious that people need to know. For anyone that's slightly doubtful of these approaches, I'm sure all of you guys have heard anecdotal stories lining up with both of these things. You'll have people that have gone on a high-fat, ketogenic, carnivore-based diet, and they feel like shit. You have other people that do it, they feel amazing. You have people that go vegan, that go the high-carb, low-protein, whatever, they feel like shit, and some people feel amazing. And this correlates directly to those things. But regardless of whether you have a high-carb approach or a high fat approach, the nutrients in the diet can still be obtained from animal foods. We just have to consider that if fat and carbs are combined in large amounts, in the majority of people, it's gonna mess you up pretty badly. And, and I wanna say this because you know, on my channel, we do have people that follow the raw primal diet, people that do consume like higher carbohydrate dairy, they're consuming raw honey and stuff like that. If you have any sort of issue whatsoever in your health in general, and you're combining sugar and fat in large amounts, that's a huge red flag. That's something people don't really consider. And, and combining sugar and fat is something that we do a lot in the context of the standard American diet. Yeah, 100%. A lot of times when I'm interviewed or, or giving lectures or talking to new clients, I always say either remove all the fat or remove all the sugar. My preference is to remove all the sugar, but those are the two interventions that will do something for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I, think, I think people do want to hear a lot about Accutane. Um, I mean, what was your recent video about? What are your experiences with Accutane in general? Yeah, so the, the reason I put out the video today is just a public service announcement. I like to have some fun and throw those out there once in a while. But I, I think that if, if you're paying attention to what Frankie and I are saying in general and, and what people are saying in general is you got to eat healthy and address gut health. Um, if you want to heal your skin, either from acne or eczema or whatever, the path to that is quite simple. You, you eat a clean diet, you find out the trigger foods for yourself and you heal your gut. Well, if you're taking a drug that destroys your gut, there's no chance of healing. Even if some of the symptoms are erased or not showing up for a small period of time. Um, with Accutane, you have the perfect drug that kills all things living in the gut the good bacteria, the bad bacteria, the, the friends, the foes, doesn't discriminate, it just destroys all, and it does a good job at it. Um, this can give some symptomatic relief to people confusing the shit out of them, you know? Oh, I take my Accutane, two months in, I'm looking pretty as all hell, I'm eating whatever I want, life is good, life is good. Fast forward to insurance changing, or you turn 25 and mommy and daddy don't get to take care of you anymore. Mm -hmm. And that Accutane, you stop it for a week or three weeks or a month 
And then all of a sudden, your skin erupts. All of a sudden, you're bloated beyond recognition. All of a sudden, all of these new diseases have come up. That's because that's the way that the Accutane works. It suppresses symptoms while it grows disease. And that's why I have such a disgust with it. You know, when I took it, I actually got kind of duped by my doctor who said, oh, there's a lot of research right now that, that people are using Accutane to really heal eczema. And at that time in the late 90s, that was bullshit. There was, yeah. no, there was no research being done on the subject at all. So I had a dermatologist lie to me. He got me on Accutane. Um, and I, it made me feel, I felt crazy on it. Like I felt mentally like, yeah. like I was pissed. Like when I took it, I was like aggressive and kind of angry. And it, it was a noticeable weird difference in my gut. And um, it didn't actually help my skin at all. Mm -hmm. It made my skin dry as hell. And so then on top of having like eczema and some acne, then I had this dry, crusty, yellow, disgusting crap. That's why I put the video out about Accutane. And that's why I speak harshly about pharmaceutical drugs and, and the pharmaceutical and medical industry in general. Yeah. For anyone unfamiliar, Accutane is a very concentrated synthetic form of vitamin A. And it basically you know, it, it stores massive amounts of this vitamin in your liver, which impairs your liver function. And it also damages the gastrointestinal tract. As Rob said, it literally destroys everything. But when it's destroying all of that gut bacteria, you essentially have a clean slate. But I mean, this is a pretty bad analogy, but drinking bleach gives you a clean slate. But if it cauterizes your small intestine, after you stop drinking the bleach, the or in this case, taking said Accutane, that gut bacteria that's going to grow, it's going to come back and it's going to cause even more issues than before. I, I, was, I was lucky when I took Accutane because I followed a very low inflammatory diet after Accutane. I was like a bodybuilder, like just chicken and rice and broccoli diet. And I was still having issues just eating that. I can't imagine if someone took Accutane and then went on like a standard American diet, it would completely destroy them. That's the uh, doctor's dream client, standard American diet, someone who agrees to take Accutane. They, they just landed a client for the rest of their careers, you know. When you battled your Accutane and you said you kind of were lucky to be on a pretty anti-inflammatory diet mm -hmm. after that broccoli, rice, bodybuilder stuff, when, when did you start transitioning to more of where you're at now and, and how did that like process unfold and how did that feel for you? I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah, so I was following the bodybuilder style diet after I took Accutane and I wasn't digesting carbohydrates anymore. I would eat like four to five pounds of sweet potatoes a day and I wasn't digesting them. Now, I don't know if that's because of the vitamin A content of the sweet potatoes or if it's because my body just doesn't produce the enzymes to digest carbohydrates that well anymore. Uh, I basically had to go to a ketogenic carnivore diet because the way I was thinking of it, well, my body doesn't digest carbs anymore. So what else could I really use for energy? I guess I have to use fat for energy. And when I read the book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check, you know, he brought up the Weston Price Foundation. He brought up these nutrient-dense animal foods. He brought up how all of these indigenous tribes were eating these nutritious animal foods. So to me, okay, so I need animal foods in my diet to be healthy, but what's my energy source if I can't eat carbohydrates? Well, if animal foods are healthy, animal foods contain fat. So that, that was the parallel I put together. The thing is, I don't really know how much that, that vitamin A toxicity issue played into uh, 
I mean, I, I followed the carnivore diet for seven years now and I've been very successful and I've never been healthier. And on paper, what Accutane does to your body, it kind of makes sense because, because meat is something that digests fairly easily. But you know, my, my stomach has never been the same since I took that drug. Um, I, I might've been able to fix my acne, you know, through a minimally inflammatory diet, but j just how well I digest food, how well I metabolize food, my energy levels in general, uh, you know, when, when you take a drug like that, that just, imp it just impairs your organ function. You're, you're basically a percentage of what you used to be. Uh, yeah. It, it's unfortunate, but, uh, all of the literature I've looked at and, Everything I've seen from people that have taken Accutane, I'm actually in a more fortunate position than a lot of people are. Uh, most people had Crohn's disease. Most people had parts of their intestines removed. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people have, you know, very high levels of liver damage where they can't um, they can't do certain things. So on one hand, I'm thankful I figured this diet out. On the other hand, I'm still in the ballpark of you know, can I ever get to a point where I can, you know, you know, those people that just eat whatever the hell they want and they have no acne and, and they're, they're full of energy and that type of stuff. There's, there's obviously a genetic variance between people here and there. And I've always, and my goal in health and what I've always strived to do is can a person like myself that's been damaged by pharmaceuticals, uh, that obviously wasn't born with that, you know, I was always having allergies and issues with my diet growing up as a kid. Is it possible to get to that point? Uh, well, I'm going to at least try to figure it out. Well, and I think that, you know, that's a, what else are you going to do with your life except have that experiment? How far can I push my health? How good can I make my life? How abundant can I, can I have this experience be? And feeling like shit stands in the way of everything. You know, it stands in the way of getting your ass out of your house in the morning and being in public and, and having friends and, and doing anything really. And, as you know, a former skin health sufferer, it may sound like kind of a bitch, bitch thing, but man, to have a face full of dermatitis when you're going out and trying to meet humans and women and make business and live your life, it's depressing as hell. Mm -hmm. And I know I do what I do. I can tell you have a good heart. We want people not to have yeah, the not to issues, like and not yeah. to feel like that, not to be in a prison. We have some, some tricks and some keys that we don't mind sharing to unlock someone's life, nothing excites me more. You know what I mean? It's why I make videos every day. It's why I answer the 7,000 emails that come, come down my, my, my slot every morning. Um, and, and also, I think, too, something that you, that you hit on, man, will I ever be able to eat just normal? You know, um, And that's a question I get all the time. Hey, Rob, when I heal my skin, then can I eat normal? And I have a pretty, I have an interesting story about that. As a vegan, I was ultra convinced that cheat meals were a form of weakness and a form of not doing your diet right. If you do your diet right, there's, you won't have any. Um, that's not true <laughs> for those who might be confused. Not true at all. But there's a, there's a bigger thing going on is that when um, you are focused on your diet so much that it becomes your entire world and you step into a grocery store and everything you see you're afraid of nothing i can't eat anything everything is is going to hurt me um why not just not eat anything then if you're scared be scared eat mm -hmm. 
beef only, eat fish only, find that one food that does work and use your fear for good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the, the story I was trying to get into was as a vegan, I didn't have the ability to have a cheat meal. If I had a cheat meal, I would then have to go into my hippie bag of tricks and do some cleansing and do some detoxification, do a special meditation, connect with my guides um, and work it out. Now, as a carnivore dieter, my gut and my overall health is so much more anti-fragile that if I were to drink a gallon of coffee and eat pizza and ice cream all day tomorrow, I wouldn't feel good, but nothing would happen. I wouldn't have a a flare-up. I wouldn't have IBS. I, I, I would just not feel good and kind of be low energy, but then I'd be fine. And I, I think that that is a cool thing and something for those of you who are stuck in the beginning phases, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You, you won't have to eat beef and butter or beef and salt only for the rest of your life if you don't want to. Um, but what I would say, because I'm Mr. Caveat, is would you rather enjoy 15 seconds of mouth pleasure or would you rather not enjoy 15 seconds of mouth pleasure and enjoy 24 hours of a healthy, awesome life? It really takes almost beating the horse to death to really imprint that lesson into people. Yep. Uh, because at that moment in time, they might think, oh, I really want this cookie, da, da, da. You really have to ex- have some negative experiences to, not, to really convince yourself not to do it again. And unfortunately, in some cases, that negative experience isn't overwhelming enough to deter that person from doing that thing. Uh, this ties back to... Uh, you know, I, I was the same way when I had bad cystic acne on my face, like huge red spots. You know, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to talk to girls. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do that. It really prevented me from having any confidence or not wanting to do certain things. And, and by all means, those things, people do judge people based on those things. There might be some people that don't, but it certainly doesn't imp- impact your life. And, and for me, that's why I take Accutane. I was in such a scenario where, you know, if, if, you're literally at the point where you, you don't even want to go out or do anything because of how your skin looks. It, it kind of, get, you get to an extreme point of, you know, what are you willing to do to fix that problem? You know, Accutane to me was just whatever, let me do it. But uh, tying back to, you know, fixing this issue, uh, the thing we didn't touch on was, uh, I think just some brief mentionings, like movement and physical activity being very important for gut motility and like, like just in having a natural metabolic cycle. Uh, because, you know, if you're not physically active, if you're not exercising, you know, the food in your stomach can be very stable. You might not have proper digestion. You might not sleep that well. Uh, and of course, you know, increasing your lean body mass and, and being phys- physically active uh, can help with weight loss, can help with all of those things. You, you did mention sun exposure, and I'm assuming vitamin D3 plays a pretty large role in this whole skin issue. Big time. Yeah. Um, out, of everything, uh, out of everything, I would say... I mean, for me, I think vitamin D3 is near the top of the list, right? With diet. Yeah, I, I, I would agree, especially in the form of actual sunshine, mm-hmm. um, an extremely key element for those of my clients who heal and heal all the way compared to those who don't. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they move their body on a daily basis in various degrees of intensity. So you don't have to go to the gym and do a high intensity interval training workout every day. You just need to move your length. Some days you need to do some resistance training. Other days, a, a gardening for several hours would do the trick. Manual mm-hmm. labor, walks, hiking, yoga, dancing, sex. There's a million ways to do yeah. it. Every day movement has to happen hormonally, lymphatic-wise, circulatory-wise, your organ health, 
And some, sometimes people forget that we are bipedal creatures. We are meant to be walking around. Hiking 10 hours a day, literally 10 hiking hours 10 hours a day. A day. Not yeah. moving eight hours a day, working, hiking 10 hours a day, holding things, carrying things, pulling things, climbing up things. Mm-hmm. And there's a system that that works. When you have a bipedal motion, your hips create a figure eight motion. It does a massaging up your spine. It creates a loose, jiggly belly that incorporates this crazy thing called gravity that helps everything wiggle down slowly. Digestion takes the most energy in the body. Walking brings energy into the body, similar to Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga. With the breath work, with the natural rhythm, the figure eights of the hips, you can drastically create an easier digestion process in your body. Um, And so daily motion, daily movement, 100%, 100%, no doubt, is a must. Um, eating clean is obviously too. And, and I think where people will fall short with the movement is that, honestly, they just don't do enough. You know, they think, okay, I went to the gym and I did my 20-minute spin class. I'm good for a few days. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, that's not even scratching the surface. You know, the healthiest I might have ever been was I was waiting tables at Del Frisco Steakhouse in Manhattan. And uh, for like eight to 10 hours a day, I was literally walking as fast as a human being could ever walk uh, up and down stairs all day. I was like, the, just the tightness of my core, how much endurance I had, the ability to do that every day. People really underestimate how physically active humans are meant to be or supposed to be. And what's so mm-hmm. interesting about humans is people have this kind of like, they think there's this like on and off switch for exercise. They think you're either like, you're either exercising or you're not, but humans have a very interesting ability to perform at a very high capacity for 10 hours. But as soon as you turn that capacity up a little bit too much, where it goes a little too much anaerobic, that's where you run out of gas. So to me, it's really interesting that humans can operate at 50 to 60% of maximum heart rate for five, six, seven, eight hours a day. But as soon as you turn it up to 70% heart rate, that's where you, you're out of gas in you know, 30 minutes, 40 minute workout. You know, the impact that like a 10 hour hike has on your body compared to a one hour workout, it might parallel the same calorically, interestingly enough, but what it's actually doing for your body, for your hormonal system, for your internal muscles are two different stories. Right, exactly. And I think that they're, they're 100%. And I think that there's a built-in rhythm with humans. In order for the food to do what it needs to do, it has to have something to do, has to have something to repair. It has to have some need. As you move your body, as you tear down muscles, it gives the food something to do. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's kind of like um, I, I tell, tell people all the time, you know that gas gauge on your car? Imagine not having that and never driving, but filling your car up with gas every single day. You'd, mm-hmm. you'd be left with a fire hazard in yeah. about five seconds. The human body is exactly the same way. We're stuffing ourselves, most people, with calorically dense foods that are just crazy. And then they are working out for an hour, three times a week, if they're a healthy American. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what you see with people is that working out hurts. Working out is not fun yeah. to go and do pull-ups and squats and bench press is, is painful and hurting. Yeah. And for me, I look forward to it, not because I'm, I'm a narcissist or not because I'm, 
I'm crazy. It's because it feels good. And the more I do it, the more I want to do it. The more I walk, the more I want to walk. The more I ride my bike, the more I do classes, the more I, you know, mountain climb, the more endorphins get released, the more dopamine gets released, the better I sleep, the better my hormones are, the more hungry I am. It's really at the end of the day, just about being a human being. Um, and, and first starting off there, are you doing the things that a human being has to do to be a human being? And, and, and if your checklist doesn't start there, then, then you know you're, you're kind of missing the boat. Yeah, I think the fitness industry has created some very unrealistic circumstances for this, whether it's because of, you know, their drug usage, their unrealistic meal timing, just all, all the, type of the types of stuff they do. Uh, we've definitely taken a step away from what's actually healthy for us in the context of an exercise and diet routine in that, that fitness and exercise context. Uh, but tying back to the vitamin D3, the importance of the sun and to me, this is another thing that so many people miss. And honestly, we're, I would even place this above diet. Like I have had people take vitamin D3 supplements and, it, and in some cases, yes, it did improve their eczema. It did improve their psoriasis. It did fix skin issues they were having. But above all, if you can get in the sun, in that high UV index, uh, you know, in the spring, in the summer, on a high quality diet that has a balanced omega-3 ratio, that has all the animal food your body needs, Nothing is better for your skin than the sun. Nothing. I, in my experience, you know, if I ever have acne, if I'm ever having any sort of skin issues, if I can't get in the sun, the speed at which my skin heals and uh, how I feel is, is drastically different. And the effect I've mainly noticed with myself with the sun was the accelerated healing and, and kind of like the skin turnover in, in, in a very high capacity. Yeah, that's, I've noticed the same thing that if you want to speed up the healing process for the skin, vitamin D3 supplements, supplements wise, that's probably the best one, the most impactful one, um, getting regular sunshine at the right timing of the day, um, is pretty drastic as well. That's very hard to do. Very hard. It's very, to do. It's very, yeah. Depending on where you live. And also there are some, you know, there are some concerns about skin cancer and I'm, yeah. I'm obviously like Swedish in a ginger. Um, and so I have to pay attention to that, but I'm someone who I get my morning sun, I get my afternoon sun. Um, and, and the one thing that a kind of a cool story is when I switched over from the vegan diet to a high fat diet, um, my sun exposure changed drastically. Um, for those of you who are not hip to it, when your body sits under vitamin D and you have cholesterol in your body, an alchemy happens that produces a lot of hormonal mm -hmm. changes in a male, testosterone, GH. Just, it's just a hormonal cocktail, if you will. I was feeling this happening my first month and a half doing carnivore. Mm -hmm. I was eating a ton of raw eggs, and it was summertime in New York City. I was going out, doing my calisthenics, doing my runs, doing my sports, and I would get that first blast of sun, and I could feel something on a cellular level tingling in, an inspiration, a, a good, like a dopamine feeling. Like I, mm -hmm. like some drug, it was naturally opened up inside of my body. And, um, that experience is one of those key marks in my life where I was like, okay, cholesterol plus vitamin D is freaking magic. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just a natural thing. That's amazing. Yeah. One, one thing that vegans tend to dismiss and it's not really 
that clear in any sort of, you know, literature is that your body needs cholesterol to metabolize vitamin D3. It's, it's something people dismiss. So when, when you have that period of cleansing, when you have that period of removing inflammation in the diet, and yes, your body can produce some cholesterol to synthesize vitamin D3. But if the person's in a depleted state, which most people are, that's where you notice significant differences from making these dietary changes. Yeah, 100%. And, and the body will produce a certain amount of cholesterol, um, but really we're not wanting to push the body into having to do that because we get it easier from food. And there's tons of great foods that have the type of cholesterol the human body wants and needs. Um, so I, I, the, the, the aspect of, of kind of treating cholesterol uh, as this like heart killing, um, disease causing inflammatory thing, I think is also a, a subject that I'm calling major bullshit on and, and that I've been trying to preach to my skin. It's a common thing in the eczema world to call eggs a trigger food. It's, yeah. it's just a very common thing. And I understand why, you know, there, there are issues with it for some people. Omega-6 hormones in some cases. Yeah, the, the, the omega-6 ratio isn't great. If you're not getting well-sourced pastured eggs, you're eating shit, pure yeah. shit. Yeah, um, so, and, and if you look at the nuance of the egg research, well, what eggs are they using for the research? Soy, corn-fed yeah, eggs. Like they aren't even eggs. They're just like retarded chickens that are having really <laughs> unhealthy eggs. So um, that's, that's another factor, I think, too, is knowing data, but then having an actual experience. And what, like we were talking about early in the discussion, having that as your main source of knowledge, not what I say or what, you know, some guy on the internet is telling mm -hmm. you about diet. Yeah. I think even though we've taken this conversation, you know, kind of almost a little simpler, it's still only for people that are kind of like super open-minded and already have a pretty strong background in diet and nutrition. Uh, it, it is unfortunate when you start thinking about it, you know, the very, very basic knowledge and understanding that people have in general, you know, people are unable to solve their acne. They go to the doctor and the only solution that's on that table for them is that Accutane, is whatever cream they're being prescribed, is XYZ. You know, as a, as a kid, I was, as a teenager, I wasn't presented to this, by, with this information by my parents. I wasn't, you know, intelligent enough or objective enough to go online and Google, uh, you know, how to fix your acne, how to do this, how to do that. And, and I think, I mean, the reason I'm having this conversation right now is you know, have these conversations with your family, have these conversations with people. If someone, you know, brings something up to you, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, try to push them in a direction to just do a little bit of research on their own and figure things out. Because in the world itself, very few people have the opportunity to, to, to actually try to explore what's wrong with their health or how to solve it or you really just have any sort of open-mindedness whatsoever to any non-conventional Western medicine. Yeah. I think that if you were to, to really do a meta-analysis of all of our broad specs and points today, that would probably be the overriding theme, you know? And I think that's, if that's what people take away from the conversation today, awesome. You know what I mean? It's, I think that that is what I would call entry level to transformational work for yourself is that fact. Yeah, you have to keep in mind where people are coming from, you know, what, what they're at, you know, what's a doctor's education? What is a dermatologist's education? What is his experience in solving these things? And 
and then understanding how complicated everything is on a metabolic standpoint, do you honestly think, and these are just asking simple questions. I bet you if I asked my dermatologist what the mechanism was behind Accutane, you know, back 10 years ago, I would probably be able to explain it better now than he could have. And mm -hmm. I still don't think me myself at this point has enough of, you know, knowledge of said drug to be comfortable with explaining it to someone. It's right. just the amount of effort put into this is, it's very minimal. It's, it's like a, you know, the hammer and the nail thing. Uh, what was, what, what, how did the saying go? If you have a hammer, every solution yeah, yeah. will look like a nail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's something every like that. Every problem will look like a nail. Yeah. That, and that's unfortunately what, uh, uh, what these doctors are doing. So, uh, Rob, if you could just, uh, you know, let people know, I guess, where they can find you, how to reach out to you, uh, anything that you've done recently or you're doing in the near future that you think people would be really interested in checking out. Yeah, for sure. My, my website's called holistichealthactivation.com. I mainly do um, private and small group coaching for people that have eczema, dermatitis, and psoriasis. Um, there you can find my three phases workbook, which I talked about a little bit today. Um, it's a very straightforward step-by-step -step guide for doing just that, naturally healing the skin, find, figuring out what diet's going to be best for you, and, and just the, the overall holistic lifestyle approach to being healthy and happy. Um, on the YouTube, you can find me, um, Rob Stewart, R-O-B-S-T-U-A-R-T is my YouTube channel. Also on Instagram, uh, there I'm Stuart, Rob Stewart. Um, again, everything is just really focusing on eczema, dermatitis, psoriasis, natural living. And um, thanks for having me on the show, Frank. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, it, it's, um, I want to say thank you for what you're doing and, you know, just give you some props. Frank was one of the people who helped re-educate me. Um, I, I was watching your videos as I made my transition from veganism to uh, where I'm at now. And uh, I just want to say thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for having me on the show and you know, keep up the good work, man. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to do so, Robin. I think we're going to help a lot of people out today with this conversation and, uh, and, and give people some more information to, uh, to use to apply to their health. Uh, so thank you guys for joining us. This has been Perfected Health Podcast, Episode 8. If you guys have any questions, if you guys have any other future guests you would like to, uh, for me to speak to, just leave them down below in the comments. Uh, I'll link Rob's channel at the end here. I'll link his information down below. So definitely check that out, guys. Say hello to him from me. And you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Let's say goodbye to everyone. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.